Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and bleary over many a strange and spurious log of Starfleet yore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a beeping, as of some alert not sleeping, beeping at my starship's core. Tis just the computer, I grumbled, beeping at my starship's core. Only this, and Borg lore. Did you write that, or was that ChatGPT? I was going to criticize you for... Uh, not rhyming napping with beeping just for the sake of a follow-up line. But. <laughs> well, ChatGPT didn't want to do it either at first, and they said, you have to make this more Star trek and it replaced it with beeping. <laughs> and said that, that was good enough. So we are here to talk about the Raven. Not- Tis the visitor, I muttered. Yeah, that's that's right, knock, knocking at my chamber door. Only this and hickory lore. I was actually upset because I didn't remember that the second line of the Raven poem ends with lore that does not rhyme with the first sentence, this first line, which is interesting. And I, I thought ChatGPT was doing me wrong, but the poet, the poem itself doesn't rhyme. So, Does it not rhyme with like Plutonian shore or something like that? Or is that, is that a different line? <laughs> Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. So mm-hmm. it's really, there's no, no rhyme. I did love Edgar. Well, the the rhyme comes later. Later, yes, it's a long, it's a long original line that's across two lines. I guess you look at it that way. We're here to talk about the Raven. Clay, how are you? I'm good. I'm uh, recovered from the holidays, which wasn't that doesn't really mean anything at this age, but it's over. uh, In 2024, this is our first recording. 2024 of 2024, it must be. Yes, it is. As Kyle pointed out, this is the year, according to Jason X, that hockey gets outlawed. Mm-hmm. So we get that to look forward to. Whatever yep. horrible uh, tragedy happens that causes that. <laughs> well, me and Amy took the kids to a Worcester Railers game. And oh, cool. If if it ends, it might be because Amy just cannot stop talking about how stupid it is that they fight in hockey. She finds it very <laughs> offensive. <laughs> so if she starts a letter writing campaign, that could bring mm-hmm. down... Uh, hockey as a sport is, is that is that a junior hockey league is, there, is i don't know how the minors team? work in hockey i don't know how far down they are but they're they're a professional league that's, oh they are okay. yeah yeah okay yeah so yeah i'm actually kind of surprised that they they're fighting in minors because yeah. it's uh i feel like they the fighting has sort of been dialed back so far at this point mm-hmm. it's more like ceremonial than anything else that's 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 uh, what i want to say i want to see ceremonial battles maybe they're just got to yeah. prove that they got the stuff to move up they, True. Got, they got the heart yeah have you ever seen uh lacrosse like professional lacrosse not professional they have like fist fights it's yeah. like they have boxing matches in the middle of the it's different because you're not on skates yes yeah. it's just two people standing on ground <laughs> that just decide to have a fist fight in the middle of the game I'm fine with it. I don't mind the fighting. It is what it is. But Amy's just up in arms about it. Just this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the kids think it's. Hey, at fantastic. least they wear helmets now. I know. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. uh they changed the rules a couple years back um in an attempt to curb injuries in fighting. Sure. Where you would get an extra penalty if you uh, took your helmet off. So you could not take your own head because usually they they throw the gloves and they take. Yeah, the you got you got to right? show you for for real by taking your helmet off. Yeah. And so right after they changed that, one of the first fights that broke out, the, each person like 
bowed to the other one so they could take the other person's <laughs> helmet off. <laughs> so they, it became very, it was like a samurai match to a certain extent where they each bowed to each other so they could remove the helmets before before the fight began. Yeah. No yeah. penalty there. That's part Completely of the, that's the culture of the sport. Can't get kill it. Yeah. This is the Ravon, not the football team. It's the Star Trek Voyager episode that came out number six in the fourth season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on the 8th of October, 1997. Teleplay goes to Brian Fuller. Story credit goes to Brian oh. Fuller and Harry Doc, Harry Doc Clore, directed by LeVar Burton. And you drop that into the Raven for a nice rhyme. <laughs> Knocking on my chamber Clore. Directed by LeVar Burton in Universe State is Unknown 2374. In this one, Seven of Nueve experiences flashbacks and believes that she is being called back to the Borg Collective. Real quick, can we yep. jump back to the hockey for a second? Sure. Is there a more perfect team name for a Worcester hockey team than the Worcester Railers? I is know. It railers? It's railers? Ra- it's, it's like ra- it's railers, like a train. The train yeah, is the Yeah, so it sounds so the people in the town who talk about it it's the Worcester Railers. The it's fu- just the it's fucking like, railers. Yeah, so many R's. The fucking railers. <laughs> we used to be the Ice Cats, and they left. But I think the railers. That, is the yeah, better. it's too hard to say. Yeah, the the railers. Fucking gotta go out and see the railers game. <laughs> I don't go to the fucking game and watch a big fucking turquoise cat skating around. That's no, not, not what no. I do. I railers. find those in my backyard when they're sick. <laughs> We didn't record the cat conversation. No, I'm not going to go back into it. But I, I, <laughs> oh, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that reference isn't going to make any sense. Ah, oh, that's too bad. Um, subscribe to Patreon. I'll put up a, <laughs> a podcast about my cat story that Clay just referenced. The Worcester Railers. Um, and then, all right. So let's get into the Ravens. Yes. So the first thing about yes. this one is I confused this episode with another episode. Right, so I had the very strange experience of going, huh, it's taken a long time to get into the the stuff that I know about this episode. I guess it just happens in a five-minute flashback at the end of the episode. Uh, not the case. This story <laughs> returns, and so you get more of this story. But I, I just oh. it was one of those weird experiences. Where I, was, I was watching it going like, when is the real episode going to kick in that I remember all this stuff for? So I didn't know this episode at all when I thought Close I was going to come in and say something. Nevermore. Nevermore. It will never more kick in in this it'll, episode. It'll, it'll eventually come back, I think. It'll come back around. But I did, I've never seen this one before, but I did mm. get the gist of it at the same time because it was familiar with what we will get later in a different episode. So all that to say nothing. What did you say? Uh, what did you think about The Raven? Uh, I really like this one. I thought this one was really good. Um, I I thought the uh, Seven stuff was pretty interesting. Um, I I was surprised that they went to the origin story so quickly. Um, I don't know. Maybe they felt like they needed. It's one of those things where I guess you either got to do it or just forget about it because I, I don't even know if you really need to tell this story, but um, <clears throat> I liked the the way that they chose to do it. I thought it was interesting. Um, I, I liked that they played on the idea of, well, what happens if her Borg stuff kicks in again? Um, it's kind of it's very similar to what that episode where Data takes the ship over in yeah. TNG, yeah. where he you know he's got his mission and everyone thinks he's gone evil, but he's not actually doing anything that bad. He's not hurting anybody. Yeah, it's just hijacking um, the ship to get home yeah. back to yeah, like Sam. everybody that or Seven Sam. just like is stunning people or blowing up 
weapons arrays and shit. She's not actually hurting anybody. Yeah. Um, but obviously the threat of her rejoining the collective is is still there. Uh, even even the stuff with the the Bomar. Yeah, the Bomar. <laughs> the wild Bomar. Bomar space. Terrible costuming um, for the Bomar. Real Bomar awful. coming. Um, yeah. They the, have to they take have their like, helmets off when they fight, I think. is the yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like they all just had catcher's masks welded to their heads. Yep. And they love squares. Um, they just love squares on their on their clothing. Yeah. Just any any kind yeah. of square. I I actually liked that stuff to a certain extent because it was it didn't get too in the way of the seven stuff, and it was the kind of weird red tape that you could kind of expect from what they're doing. Yeah. So it was it wasn't it didn't feel as hacky as the usual like there's a fucking nebula that's got to go uh, around it exploding or something you know the, whatever the 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 that ham-fisted sci-fi thing that they have to get in there when they do one of these like split story things yeah it actually kind of made sense they've um, done this before there have been a couple episodes mm-hmm. where they have to get through someone's territory and there's some thing right about it yeah yeah um i don't know why everyone's so weird about it it's like yeah what, yeah they haven't how, run into a single friendly person <laughs> yeah I know. yeah why do you have to do the weird thing just i don't know um just a power move. Yeah. But uh but yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. I think Jerry Ryan's a pretty good actress. At least I think she's pretty good in this part. Anyway. Yep. Yeah, the Raven is I uh I do I didn't I thought the reveal of the name was terrible. Kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, Aside from that. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I, I, for me um I don't know. This this might be like a relic of the time or something but i feel like they're getting kind of annoying with just the cock tease of her backstory you know it's like Mm -hmm. because they so like when she's introduced right we brought up that whole point about like doesn't is is no one going to say how are you human like is no one confused by this at all yeah and so when you get to the raven i thought the reveal of the ship the, the way that they reveal it is that Harry Kim's like, well, she's been writing about some bird. And Jane was like, a black bird? A bird with large wings? Or what kind of bird? And then she's like, it's the raven. And then she runs it's off and it's a like... raven. So Janeway knows this ship. This ship is famous, apparently. Like, you just know that there's a ship called the raven right. out there. Yeah, because her parents are in the Starfleet History books or, or something. Yeah. But so like I, f- I found that reveal to be like incredible, like just a, a writer's thing of like, I got to connect the dots here somehow. So I'm going to make this the ship and be the Raven and Janeway. But, you know, it, what's weird about it is, is that Janeway realizes it in a way that you go, didn't she put this together before? Like if this is the only right. option for how this has happened, didn't she say, did you come here on the Raven? <laughs> because I know that that should be out here somehow. Yeah. So So I found that annoying. And I just find, I find the stringing along to be unrealistic in the sense of this ends where she's like, I know all about your parents. You could read all about them. And Simon goes, maybe in a future episode, I'll read about them. But for now, I have other things to do. And it's like, you read the read your fucking parents book right now. Like, there's no reason why you should not do it. Right. Like, that should be something interesting to her. So, well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You could argue that she's still coming to terms with her human self, you know? So why would she might not want to be diving into that right away? 
No, because because I, I still think that Seven's overriding personality trait is to be somewhat data like. She's like a, she absorbs information. Sure. Like that. Like that's her her thing is to get better information about stuff. Um, yeah, but that's a that's a weird gray area though, because it's it's personal information. You know, she's not used to being a person, and so she you know she doesn't even know how to sit down in this episode. So and she's very hesitant to do so. Mm-hmm. She's not excited to do it, or excited to eat the way Data would be. So I could see why that's not something she would jump into immediately. Also, I don't really care. I I don't need this story. I don't need to know her backstory. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. I, I, I guess if you really want to get into it, that's fine. But I don't really know how much you're going to add to her by saying like, yeah, her parents, this is their parents' ship. And that she they were assimilated. It's like, yeah, well, we already know that. It's It's a nice character moment for her. Yeah. But. As far as stories that I think you need to tell with her, probably not that high up. I find it more I find it more <clears throat> curious in the context of the show's universe, really. Like I, I think yeah. that some people on Discord um or some of the YouTube comments think that I'm too I'm too concerned that people don't care about seven. And I find it very strange that no one asks why this is the case. Because it's not just it's also built in they're trying to get home so however they yeah. got out there is very important to them because it means oh yeah it makes zero sense like it, there's it's uh <clears throat> and i think that's why explaining it makes it worse because if the if the story was yep she's got human parents and they were out there and she got assimilated somehow and that's all we know sure that's the end of the story. You don't need to explain anything. Mm-hmm. But the minute you start going like, oh, we found the ship. And not only did we find the ship, it's a ship everybody knows about back at home. Yeah. Then you got to start answering these questions. You know, it's the old narrative cone of vision thing I talk about sometimes. Yeah. Yep. Where, you know, you just <clears throat> answering answering some questions, just bring up other questions that either turn into episodes. Maybe you get a good episode out of it, or maybe it just makes things more complicated. I think it makes the world smaller, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I mean, is instead of the Borg being just out there and managing to grab these humans at some point, who knows where they come from? Now it's, oh, they're from Earth. Now it's, oh, they're actually from the Federate, the Starfleet. Yep. Oh, now it's, uh, everybody knows who they are. It just makes everything really small, you know? Yeah, it does. And I, I'm aware, listeners, I know the backstory so my problem here is that they are they're this doing sounded very rush rush limbaugh of you. <laughs> I, have, I know i have, I have documents <laughs> i i know listeners i know i know how they're going to wrap this up but what i'm getting from it at this point is it's big enterprise temporal cold war rationale which is that we're sure. just going to make something up and we're going to kick the can down the road and sure. even though the idea of a temporal cold war to the enterprise crew should be something that they are very concerned about and very like, you know, asking a lot of questions. They only ask enough question to get you through the episode and they don't particularly care about it. It's not like it's a, it's a thing that really matters to the characters. Seven's backstory is the same to me. I feel that in the universe of the show, they should be much more concerned with how are you human? How did you get out here so quickly? Because it, it took you five years i guess you weren't born in space you were born back in the federation and you got out here somehow in five years how did that happen 
Seven, can we ask you? Don't you remember? Maybe you should look at your parents' logs about how, how this is going to pan out. But they don't do that. So I don't really buy the argument that, Seven, we're going to let you grow into this in your own time because it doesn't make any sense to me. Seven, to me, is actually more interesting as how does Voyager get home than it is that we rescued a Borg and we're trying to restore her humanity. To me, that's the important thing to, about her character at this point, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> Not narratively. Just in terms of what these characters on the show should be concerned about. They don't yeah. like Seven well, at this point. Sure. Right? Well, I, I mean, by that rationale, that's not even something you can consider until this episode, right? Because she doesn't know. Right, she exactly. She has no yeah, memory yeah. of anything. Yeah. But at this point, and, you should start uh, asking questions. Yeah. Sure. I, and I don't remember exactly what... I, I don't know if they have... They don't have the family's logs. They just have Starfleet's what is known history. about them yeah, of in what Starfleet happened. history, right? Yep. Yeah. So I don't really know if that's helpful at all. So I, I don't know how much they could really get from her. Now, the on the other hand... <clears throat> If at the end of this episode, part of the push by Janeway was don't let that ship get destroyed because it has inf- might have information <laughs> on how to get home. Sure, yeah. Then, yeah, then I agree with you. But I, I just don't think that she's that closely tied to any um, – I, I don't know. I don't think she has any information that would, would help them get home any faster. So I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see why they would need to push it. Like even – maybe if she was still part of the collective and she could go through the – you know, the data banks and, and pull out the info about that one ship that one time. But well, I mean, here's, just here, as she is now, I don't think she has anything that would help. She's, but I, I guess here's the, the counter to this is that she has a data-esque knowledge of other species that the Borg have assimilated. When, when, it's, sure. when it's interesting to the, when it's not, when it's sort of a thing they can do, Seven will always know the information about something because she seems to have retained the Borg collective knowledge within her. She should know how her parents were got out there, right? Like this is this is something that the Borg yeah. know at this point. So again, this is not particularly important to what this episode is doing, but I think it's really strange of the show to actively avoid making Seven's origin be something that's interesting to the crew, which I think is what it should be. Um, right. Okay. I'm all for if they had brought this up and they solved it that they can't get home through this way. You're free to go on with Seven as regaining her humanity. That becomes the story sure. at that point. I just think that in in a show that's trying to introduce a new character, I think there's a better level of storytelling, which is that we don't really know you and trust you yet, but you you might provide us a way home, so we can use you that way. And I think like there's a there's a kind of desperation to the crew to do something like that. But the, the being a Star Trek show, they've already adopted her and she's already, she kind of turns her back on the collective in this episode, right? Like there, there's a, right. Yeah. So it's, it's things are progressing at a very quick pace. Yeah. And that kind of goes to what I was, I've been saying up to this point with her is I wish they hadn't turned her fully human so quickly. Um, <clears throat> Cause I do think you can get more stuff. Cause it is kind of weird that she has just sort of become another character on the ship. Like she's a new toy to play with and, and to tell new stories with. But as far as she fits in to the actual ship crew, she's just another body on the ship. Whereas what you're saying, <clears throat> yeah, if she, if, if the, if the turn was a little bit slower and she was a little bit still had more Borg parts in her, I would definitely, I could definitely see them having, Janeway be like we need to she's 
her body's actively rejecting this Borg stuff. We need to get any information we can out of her now before that happens. Right. And so then that becomes more of a of a, of a purpose for her to be on the ship, for um, <clears throat> them to be uh, really into her change and all that kind of stuff. But the way they do it, they make her fully formed at the end of the second episode of the season, first episode yeah. of the season or whatever. Yeah. And so they kind of – and then – from that point she's all on board anyway so it's kind of difficult to really have her play into it you know in any sort of um larger <coughs> excuse me larger series way um because of how quickly they they change her over yeah i think that she i just see i see that storyline where you're kind of using seven at first before you know her as a as what the show could be commenting on about the fall of Federation values as this progresses. Like if the desire to get mm-hmm. home is so great that you start compromising yourself and you're not really treating seven like a person as much as a possible solution to the problems that you have. Yeah. That seems to fit what Voyager's thing is, but it's, you know, Voyager just goes the Star Trek route and it's like, well, now seven's a main cast member. So she's just going to be a regular person on the show. She got a new suit this episode. Yeah. We just talked about they, it too in the previous episode. Yeah. yeah. Is this what she? Because I, I, I this. I feel like this is the suit that I remember. I think I feel like so the I color assume, is is incorrect, but the texture was yeah. right. Like the fuzziness of the material was correct. The re- reflective metallic jumpsuit wasn't yeah. as subtle as they wanted. Someone on the last uh, YouTube thing said that the silver suit apparently was too difficult for her to get into and causing her to have like panic attacks or something because it was so oh, constricting. Really? So they <laughs> they made they made short work of that. But this is definitely. I mean, what not I, that I not imagine. that the new one is any looser. No, it's. I, I think if anything, it's more breast enhancing than her prior one. This is this is really, yes. this is real and spectacular at the same time. Um, but yeah, she has a new outfit and it looks more comfortable to wear. So, yeah, good job. <laughs> and uh, outside of that. I mean, do you do you like Seven's? You, you don't think it's necessary. Do you, did you like what you got from Seven's backstory here? She's a daughter of two you scientists know, who flew off on a starship. I, th- I I think the specifics are less interesting to me than what they do with it in the story. In that, like as as we're kind of saying here, they are more interested in uh, the stories. They seem to be more interested in with Seven is her evolution back to being human and coming back from being a Borg than they are anything else really. Yeah. And so they're using that origin story as a way to facilitate the scene in the ship where her robot speech pattern just goes away and she starts talking like a normal person. And as she relives this traumatic thing when she was first assimilated and that I thought that stuff was really good. Yeah. Um, I think the specifics could have been anything, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. Like I, is, I don't really care that her parents were scientists. They could have been, you know, used, used car salesmen. I, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the, the emotional thing that they get out of it is, is what, where the money is. And I think, uh, I think they used it pretty well. <clears throat> I think the, the sequences where she is a child getting taken, are effective i think that they do a good job of making that um seem as terrifying as it probably should seem from from that perspective my my favorite one was when she takes a bite of 
uh, Neelix's food, and they cut to that one boar going, ah! <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's probably how I would respond to his food as well. <laughs> that's an easy shot on Neelix. I'm sorry, Neelix. But he has that dense musculature, Clay, that makes him so appealing <laughs> as a character. That Honestly, that was one of the more interesting things in the episode. Like, I like that stuff. When she just kind of like... Uh, unaware of what she's doing rattles off yeah, her board, board the trivial, fact that, trivial pursuits yeah rattles off that they've uh, uh, um, assimilated Neelix's people before and I, I wish they had Neelix played a little heavier because he kind of he doesn't really bother him that much I wish he had kind of really been like <laughs> Jesus you know yeah or or put off by it or something you know well I guess the implication Sorry, is that it's they only assimilated a couple of Talaxians I guess so they've never even they that was all they could stomach is yeah, like two of them they make excellent drones, but they just too much talking. All the all the drone feet. They can't have drones with furry feet. It's not great <laughs> for walking around that ship. <laughs> yeah, it's. I I guess that you're. I think you're kind. Of, you're just kind of running into that thing we've talked about before, which is that like the franchise is now self-consuming. Really, like I I I just start mm-hmm. to. Because you've introduced the Borg and Seven's backstory, and it's by it's the thing of the the more you see it, the less sense it makes. But the, the Borg, as we know them, don't make sense to me in the context that Voyager is setting them up as, which is that some species know of them, but for some reason are just like somewhat indifferent to them you know like they yeah, bomar like, don't give a shit yeah the bomar like there's a borg drone why'd you bring a borg over here we don't like the borg at all but it's like i i feel that the borg should have just cleaned house in this section of the universe like yeah. there's so it's a weird you know the, the best of both worlds portrays them as like this unstoppable juggernaut that like once they know where you are they come and take and they come and get you because they need like the raw materials and stuff like that and the way that they play them out here is that they'll just collect a handful of you and be like, that's enough. Mm. And then they'll go on. They won't go like take on the, you know, the planet of Talaxius or whatever the wherever the fuck Neelix comes from or anything like that. And so I feel like you're just retconning them into a a kind of alien or character on this franchise that makes a little bit less sense the more that you yeah. get into them. It's tough to fix. I guess you can't fix it or you can't do anything, but it's noticeable to me. The Bomar, the way that Bomar yeah. talk about them feels wrong to me that they should talk about them in such like, ah, Borg, you know, who cares? Well, you know, I, I don't disagree. Um, and I don't, I don't think they're doing what I'm going to say here, but, um, it is kind of interesting if, if the Borg are like smallpox to a certain extent where it's like, yes, if you are not prepared for them, they will fuck you up. Like big time, they will sure. run through your entire community. But there are some people who have figured it out. Like there are some uh, systems who are like, yeah, yeah, the Borg are fucking terrible. So we got to stamp that shit out. And it's we've kind of figured out a way to deal with it without getting overrun by it. Right. I don't think that's what they're doing. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting way to look at it because, you know, if if the Borg are as if they don't see you as a threat, they will leave you alone, which is established. True. You know. So yeah. So that's why when they come through Bomar space, they don't send the Borg on a weird fucking loop loop route that makes no sense. 
but but yeah like i i don't i don't think that's what they're doing but there is kind of if the borg are a completely all-encompassing force and they are as prevalent as they seem to be in this franchise they should have taken over the entire galaxy a long time ago yeah you know so it's it's just one of those things where you kind of have to you know, you gotta have you have to put some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, boundaries on stuff. Again, it's the kind of thing where the more you, the more times you use the Borg, the more you have to explain about the Borg, the more it, the concept gets watered down. You know. <clears throat> I think my problem with it is that it's not inexplicable. You know, sure. You you just came up with an explanation. It's like maybe some species just live side by side with them. My problem with the Borg and with the seven thing is that the show is actively avoiding that discussion. It doesn't want to just explain right. away yeah. why these things are the way that they are. I'd be perfectly fine if they came up with a reason why this is the case. Like, oh, that's kind of actually interesting. Like, you could do a whole thing with sure. this. Like, the yeah. Bor- I guess the Borg are not what we knew them to be. The the problem is that the show acts as if we have not learned anything new about the Borg from Voyager running into them out here in their home turf. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that some species out here survive like the little fishes on the shark, you know? It's like the shark doesn't Mm. care about them, so it's just they survive with them. I think there's room to do that, and I think that there's room to explain Seven's story in a way that you can make it make sense in the context of the universe and tell stories that you want to tell around it. I think fundamentally, I think Voyager is just kind of lazy that way. It's not really interested in being like, how do you holistically make things make sense out here? Like what, if, if this were actually happening, what were stories that would happen on Voyager? Voyager does the thing where it's, it's kind of like how their characterization and interpersonal communication feels to me. It feels constructed in a way that's not really grounded in the reality of this universe that people are living in. And I think that that's probably the biggest disappointment. I like that they're doing more character work with stuff, but at the same time, it it tends to feel a lot like just sort of actors talking to each other in a way that doesn't feel sure. like I'm actually in on the ship with them or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, with the thing with Neelix and the Borg, it might have been fun if they if she had rattled off that stuff and then said, uh, we decided that there was nothing we could really learn from you. Yep. Like that's, <laughs> right. So she, yeah. she's she's saying something awful but insulting at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, we spared you because you, know, you suck. <laughs> right, yeah. Or, uh, uh, and yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I, I, I thought some of the character stuff in this was was, was decent. <clears throat> um. Like I liked the Jane the the Janeway conversation, the short Janeway conversation with Chakotay. Yep. I because I I like Janeway's. I do think this kind of is it's going in the face of what you were talking about at the beginning though, because Janeway has this, um, like boundless compassion for Seven. So even when she goes haywire, she's the one who's like no. We can't give up on her. We have to find her, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is great because, you know, you've got the other characters who are like, ah, she's a Borg. Maybe we just, you know, maybe we blow the ship up. Yeah. Solve the problem here. Yep. However, <clears throat> it is a little strange that the captain of the ship regarding this Borg who may have information, may or may not, is all compassion and seemingly no 
scientific interest in her. Right. <laughs> or no strategic yeah. strategic interest in her, you right. know? Well, to um, the point of risking but, the ship for the Borg, for this Borg that they just picked up. Right. You know, like they're... they're yeah. I, I, I don't think that Janeway has a realistic relationship with seven in comparison to the rest of her crew that has been with her for the past three years. Like she, she bends mm-hmm. over backwards to save seven in this really like to go out and try to find her in a, in a situation that is very threatening to the ship to do that. Like you're going into this, mm-hmm. like these, you know, these xenophobic alien space and they're kind of hostile and stuff like that. So yeah, I, that's, that's a very good example of the disconnected that I see, which is that, to put it simply, the characters to me don't feel like they're people dropped into a situation and the writers try to think of what's the most realistic outcome for this to happen. What would mm-hmm. these people actually talk about? It's more, we have a plot, so let's have the characters drop into this scene. They're going to talk about the plot that we want to talk about, and then we're going to move yeah. on to the next thing. And I find that um, I find that to be a weakness of the writing, really. Yeah, like the, the stuff with Janeway, while good, um, does suffer from that because it is uh it is compassion for the sake of the story um whereas maybe realistically they have a different conversation about why they go get her or something but you know i think i think she she doesn't have to be all things all the time so in this instance you know they wanted to play compassion over everything else which is fine um but i i know i know what you're saying they 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 do tend to. Um, that's what makes Janeway schizophrenic. Can... That that's the thing that sure. makes her seem schizophrenic. Yeah, yeah. I it's well, it's strange though because I feel like there are other characters that they play relatively consistently. Like yeah. I, and maybe it's just the nature of the character. Um, She's the decider. She has to make the decisions. Yeah, <clears throat> but like Tuvok, I feel like Tuvok's very consistent in the way that they write him. Like yeah, he. I th- I thought the stuff with Tuvok and Seven was great. It's good because they've. Um, They've shown him to be the closest thing on the ship to a counselor. It's funny. Yeah. We, were watching this. <laughs> we were watching this. My girlfriend said, why don't they have her? She should not be on this ship. She should be with Troy or something. Right. Someone, a counselor. I was like, yeah, they don't have one. She's like, why not? Every ship should have one. I'm like, well, that's a really great point. It's, it's uh, odd that the most to, a emotional character is the one that makes everyone talk about their feelings and how they <laughs> how they feel. I don't I don't know if that's a stroke of genius or so, like a weird inconsistency, but it's it's interesting either way. Well, yeah, it's kind of the point of a therapist, right? To just be a sounding board that yeah, gives you advice yeah. and not be like, "What? No, your mother said what? Yeah, yeah. like that's that's not a very that's probably not a great therapist." Yeah, it's. I guess it's how you but, yeah, want it, to it's, see the Vulcans. I guess would be the like because yeah. Spock would not be a good therapist, right? And so, oh no, he would be terrible. Yeah, yeah. so it's. I, I I don't know if it's a sort of like. How, I guess it's how far do you want to draw the Vulcans as to be? This is what the Vulcans think, but Tuvok's interestingly good at it. Yeah. Even if he and causes I, I, one of I, them to explode into fire or whatever happened to Cap, so <laughs> couldn't help that. <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, you can't win them all. He's new at this. <clears throat> yeah. He was. He was. Uh, I thought the stuff with them was really good. Um. And I, I liked uh, how he talked her down into lowering the force field and and go, and saying that he, I really like what he said. I, I'm going to go down there with you. And she's like, yeah. "Well, you'll be assimilated." And he's like, "Well." I don't think so, don't but think if that's so. what happens, that ha- that's what happens. <laughs> I like that she neck pinched him. I thought that was cool. Yes. I thought that was a, that yeah. was fun. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Do the Vulcans wake up quicker from a neck pinch than other species? He seemed like he got back on his feet pretty quickly. Great question. Like, okay. I don't know if they've ever done a uh, 
a study. I'm sure they have. I'm sure the Vulcans have done a study on how long it takes each species to wake up. There's evidence on memory alpha. But I I like those two. Um, You know, I I did like the interactions as much as I actually didn't really like the line, um, I'll go with you, because it it just kind of strikes me as... It's a good example of the. It's a good example of what I was talking about before. It's like you don't naturally arrive at a conclusion from Tuvok. He's just like, "I'll go." She goes, "Why?" He's like, "I don't think this is the case." <laughs> there's, you know, there's no, there's no good, there's no good argument he has. He doesn't know the truth and is yeah. like, "I have to show you what's down there." So I'm going to go with you and we're going to go through this. It just, it just feels a little bit writerly. Um, I do think Tuvok's well, a good. I, I, I think Tuvok's a good counselor. I just, it's strange to me that. Um, Tuvok being in this situation just seems like Tuvok should be the one in this situation with her. You know, it's it's that sure. it's that kind of a thing. I, I I I, it just doesn't feel as natural as I suppose it could. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't know if it feels that um forced because he's offering you know her whole thing that she's doing here is 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 try is claiming she has to do this on her own and she has to go back to this thing. And, and he's basically saying, well, no, you have other people who care about you. Yeah. Even though it's, you know, they shouldn't at this point yet, but, uh, he's, he's, he's showing her the humanity that she's is fighting against, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's that weird, but at the same time, I, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. I, yeah. I, I get, I, I think it's interesting. Our fundamental, the disagreement. I don't disagree. The show does not justify this explanation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the Tuvok's rationale is I don't think so. That that's his argument for why something is going to be. I, I feel that you can make that conversation text. It doesn't have to be this sort of assumption that Tuvok is sure. doing, like it, in, sure. in a franchise that's not subtle. Right in a show that's yeah. not subtle at all. If this was intentional, they would have the characters say it. I, I think that they stumble that's into fair. this this kind of. Um, I can certainly see these arguments, and I can see that point being made. That yes, Tuvok is showing her a form of humanity. I, I think it's just almost happenstance. A lot of the time is is the problem with it. There's not a drive to show that Tuvok will go down there, and because Tuvok doesn't really know, you know, so it's it's hard to draw the conclusion right. that he's doing it. It's it's strange it's it's a minor point um it just sticks out to me i find that to be a very unique voyager trait in a way that the other franchise uh series are not like that did yeah, you like the action I, sequence of the ship falling apart i didn't mean to interrupt i was just trying to go to something else oh yeah well i was just to 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 close out the thing we were just talking about i i um <clears throat> i do find us giving this show the benefit of the doubt as far as saying something that they're not saying in ways that we don't other shows. Yeah. And I think, and I think we might be probably giving it too much credit um, because the other shows are pretty with the exception of like the best deep space nine stuff. Yes. The other shows are pretty textual. Yeah. You know, they they, let you know what they're for the most part. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And if they're, and if they're being subtextual, they let you know they're being subtextual. It's not, there's not a ton of, uh, of, uh, nuance there no um the ship falling apart that was pretty rough 
Um, the ship it's falling apart itself, not that bad, but that shot of them running out. Running out. <laughs> also, they run out of the friggin' door, and it says the Raven right on the side of the and ship. They, <laughs> it does. It's it's stamped all over. Yeah, they they run out very uh, some some terrible green screen action. Um, Jerry Ryan. Uh, great actress as this character. Not, I'm not crazy about her running acting. Running acting is very difficult, and I don't. I don't begrudge yeah, anyone I mean, for this, what they're doing. They got her. They got her in heels too, so it's probably she, not she's easy. she's tight, tightly. Uh, Who knows up. if her legs can even move that much? I know. In that yeah, suit. It just <laughs> runs like a Barbie doll. Um, I thought. I thought when when she sits down at the in the mess hall, I thought they were going to have to RoboCop her, where she like starts the movement and then they cut to Neelix and they cut back and she's sitting down, <laughs> like in Ro- in RoboCop he couldn't get in and out of the car in the full suit, right? So, so he would away. have to like open the door and lift his leg and then just cut to the <laughs> him actually sitting down. <laughs> yeah, no, she's she's pretty pretty tightly bound, but outside of that. Um, the Leonardo thing, I guess, is the new holodeck hangout. Um, sure, she's a, which is whatever. Uh, I like I like the idea, you know, because I mean, as a Borg, she wouldn't understand what art is. Yeah, <clears throat> I um. One Although of the reasons that, that I yeah, just sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say one of the reasons that I don't love explaining her backstory is you know you you get to see when she got assimilated and she was like 10 or 11 or something so she's not an infant right so she has she does have in her brain the concept of sitting or the concept of eating food you know yeah and so like while i totally get and i like the the stuff where it's like they need to reteach her how to be human. There are some things where I think like, well, the more you explain what happened to her and and how old she was, you start going like, well, like does she really not understand the concept of art at all? Well, I would she was old enough to know that, you know, it's. Yeah. I I mean, I would, this is where I think that the, the sketch of what the Borg are, becomes incredibly confusing and difficult to understand. Like the Borg yeah. should understand art, right? Because the Borg yes. absorb art. They might not appreciate it, but they can understand right. what art is because they have all this knowledge of all these species that all have some kind of art that they celebrate, she, right? You know, you know what they should do? She should be really good at art yes. and just completely think it's it's nothing. Or Like she should sit down at that sculpture thing and in... <laughs> five seconds make a perfect sculpture of lionel richie yeah and then and then (laughs) but be like this means nothing to me (laughs) not a great artist not a great sound uh that that's that's kind of like i think if you really sat down and you wanted to think about the borg i would 100 percent agree that that is a way you can take the borg which is that they are they they know in some ways they are superhuman in the sense that they have a tremendous amount of knowledge about what's going on, but their, their interests sort of disregard essentially the soul of a culture. Like they're not interested in anything except for the consumption of the cultures. 
And so I think that the show and the character of Seven suffers when they sketch her closer to Data in that way, which is that I don't understand this and I'm not interested. It's like Data would be interested, but Seven's sort of agnostic approach to stuff doesn't make a lot of sense a lot of the time. And I yeah. I don't know how you fix that I, I because I think that then you start getting into the point of like, how are you supposed to tell this story about an ex-Borg regaining its humanity? Like, what does that actually mean? The way that they do it is that she's somewhat emotional and cold and that becoming human basically just means you get more emotional about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a better way to do it. I just don't know. I couldn't come up with it right now on the podcast, but I think with a little bit of thought, you can come up with something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's... um. It continues to be interesting that they've basically got three characters kind of doing the same thing on the show because you've got her uh, doctor trying to try, trying to remember what it is to be human. The doctor who's yeah. a bit more data like where he's actively trying to be human. And you've got the Vulcan character who's kind of like there, but is kind of still evolving in that in that sense. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't know. I think you go either way on how you feel about that because having three characters doing it in the same uh, uh, sphere at all different levels and different approaches is kind of novel instead of just having the one, you know, instead of having one data, you get three yeah. datas yeah. at different, you know, sections. Uh, or you go to Star Trek Picard where you have one data, <laughs> one lore, and then super data who's just Brent Spiner. I'm just, data's I'm, final form. I'm thinking. A 70-year-old man. What's the difference between the Doctor and Seven, I guess, is the fundamental question. Like, so, just kind of spitballing it. The the Borg story, to me, the way that you develop this is that, you know, if I were to start over, first of all, I wouldn't make her human. I would just give her a nose ridge and say she's some alien that they never encountered before, (laughs) and this is the solution. Um, I think that, I would redraw seven as completely conformist, right? Like from the get go, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a character that needs to be told what to do is like non-functional on her own. Like just not really just can't Mm. do it. Like needs guidance all the time. And it's kind of analogous to a child growing up on the ship where she's completely dependent when she gets there on her parents and like being told what to do and having boundaries set And as the character develops, it becomes much more of like learning to function on her own, you know, things like that, like learning to have control of her own life and her own agency and make her own decisions and like trying to figure out what she likes out of this life and things. That to me is more of what the Borg would seemingly take away from you. It's almost like a hostage situation where you no longer know what you like or anything like that. Like you're, they've erased your personality in some ways. And to have her grow back from that is not a robot thing. It's not just like I talk like this and I don't understand your culture and stuff like that. It's much more of, she should be more scared. Like from the start, being separated from the collective should be very terrifying for her in a way that continues for a long time. Yeah, that would be, that would be really interesting. Yeah. I do. I do think that they are. The the, the thought is um, shit. What the hell was I going to say? Uh, <clears throat> yes, 
Short answer. <laughs> I was going to say that they, they, they are kind of doing something similar to what you were saying, but I can't remember what facet of it I was going to comment on. With so Seven, don't... they're doing something similar? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, like uh, not, 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 as, not as a whole, but yep. like as one section of the thing that you were talking about. Oh, sure, sure. I kind of feel like they are, but it, this just sounds like nonsense if I can't specify what the right, was. Right, you can't so think of the, the actual events. How would you distinguish her from the Doctor, I guess? <clears throat> or how would you say that they're different characters? Um, well, first of all, the doctor wants to be more human and, uh, seven doesn't, mm-hmm. um, she's kind of, I, I mean, at this point she's not really actively fighting against it, but she's not really looking, looking for it to increase. Would you say that, I, I guess, uh, how would you back up saying that the doctor wants to be human, I guess? I feel that the doctor is fairly comfortable in what he is. Well, maybe human's not the right word, but he has the drive for a name. He has he has a drive for individuality Okay. that, that Seven doesn't. Yep. You know, she, she, I guess you could say she accepts it or is accepting it, but uh, the doctor has, a, has much more of a drive for it than she does. Um, you know, the last episode, he was very excited to see someone, another, another hologram. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he could have hologram stuff to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a, in a, like he wants to see himself as it's weird. Cause I think he wants to be, he, he's, he's, he wants independence, but at the same time he wants to belong to a group of people. Right. Yeah. Because that's what makes him excited about seeing another. Uh, is it EVH, EMH, EMH? EMH yeah. Right? Yeah. Another. Although I guess it wasn't a medical guy, but you know what I mean. And seeing another hologram. Yeah. He gets excited because it's like seeing and he wants to belong to a, a group and not just be uh, this program. Yeah. Because I think belonging to a group of people or, or or a group makes him more real than just a, a projection. Yeah. You know? So. He's definitely more interested in um, being, being re- maybe not being human, but being real in a Pinocchio type sense. Yeah, I, I think he is. I, I think they actually did it pretty well when in the early seasons when they would just ignore him or like turn him off. <laughs> when he didn't yeah. want to be, that, I feel that maybe that's probably to me what the doctor wants. The, the doctor wants respect more than anything. Yeah. And which is different from individuality because I think that they they treat him as an individual sort of, and he seems to be lacking in no way of being a, a person. He seems to be a fully sentient creature that can think and do whatever yeah. he wants to do. So I think it's really just like them respecting his, his decision. Seven is less about respect. I think it's more. Yeah. Well, she doesn't need anybody's respect. Though. No, like that's, that's the thing. She doesn't think she needs it. Right. Because all of her decisions she thinks are correct. And so whether or not, anybody agrees with her is you know irrelevant yeah all right well we'll go to patron thoughts with those comments or with our thoughts being done if you guys enjoy the content you can go to patreon.com slash the penske file that's where you leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and you get extra podcasts and all that good stuff hundreds and hundreds of podcasts on patreon.com hundreds hundreds and hundreds we Uh, go over there's a cat story the entire 2024 season of the worcester railers yeah (laughs) Which I'm excited about. <laughs> I'll um, next Railers game we go hot to. Food. 
next Railways game we go to, I'm going to secretly record Amy when when there's a fight, and so you guys can go to Patreon.com to listen to her. I uh, get upset about that. When the when the Worcester Railers get down to Hartford, that's when things get really interesting. <laughs> well, my uh, my in laws were visiting, and of course they're boomers, and my father in law could not stop calling them the Worcester Whalers. Like it's just like a you know it's just because the Hartford Whale was down there. All oh, right, yeah. yeah. Now they're just the the whale. The Railers are very close to the Whalers too. So imagine what a universe where Hartford had a team. But I've. Yeah, what a what a of world. all the places. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's weird. You know, there's. I think there's a certain section of of uh, hockey's always been weird that way. Yeah, you know, like Winnipeg, of all the Calgary. Places. What the fuck is Calgary? in Calgary? I mean, it it makes sense that Canada has teams, but it's you know, no, they that's, Montreal. That's, they have to, Toronto. They've got Vancouver, and I guess there's other places in Canada. No, I've the never NHL, seen them, but I'm sure they exist. NHL should be a. The two divisions should be Canada and America. There should be 12 teams in both countries. That would make sense. That would be awesome if that was the case. Yeah. That would be so... F- and Canada could probably support 12 hockey teams, which is funny. Like, you could have two teams in Toronto and two in Montreal and stuff like that, and that would, that would work. But d- would you get... Would you still cross-pollinate nationalities on these teams, or would it have to be... For the players or the games, for you the mean? Canadi- for, the, for the players, would it... Are you thinking like like Olympics rules? No, it wouldn't be Olympic rules. Would I would keep okay. it as though the American teams only play the Canadian teams. A couple, like how the uh, when the NL National League oh, plays sure. the American yeah, League yeah. in baseball, it only happens very rarely. That's how I would do it. But I really just like the idea of a Canadian side and the American side. I think that, and I wouldn't have any team south of Maryland. <laughs> 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 There's no Arizona hockey team or anything like that. It's ridiculous. You don't. You don't want a, a New Orleans hockey team. Not no, that there is one, but, the but Tampa there, Bay. There are right? some places. The Lightning. Tampa Bay. Yes, there's two of them in Florida. Amazingly, Tampa Bay and just regular Florida. What's um, the Florida team? Florida uh, Panthers. Oh, the Panthers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They they went to the finals last year. I think oh, they've boy. been traditionally a decent team, but like uh, Worcester, not Worcester, um, <laughs> Seattle. Seattle recently got a team. Yeah. Which still doesn't make any sense in my brain because. I don't know why I don't think of Seattle as a hockey town. Yeah, but it's right across from Vancouver. Yeah, think of the rivalries you could have: Vancouver and Seattle. It's perfect. Yeah, the reason I <coughs> excuse me, the reason I asked about the, the the nationality thing is because the way it used to work, um, and this is the reason why the the Montreal Canadiens had so many Stanley Cups, is uh, they used to get first dibs on all Canadian players coming to the NHL. Yeah. Which is fucking nuts because most of the good players are Canadian. <laughs> At least they were back then. Yes, yeah. So uh, it's a little bit, a little bit uh, skewed there. Goddamn Canadians! Patreon.com/slash the Penske file. There's a whole bunch of content out there. This is the Raven. Our first comment comes from Kyle Barrett, who also quotes the Raven. Once upon a midnight dreary. He probably wrote this, though, didn't ask ChatGPT. Once upon a midnight dreary, while Brian Fuller pondered, weak and weary, over melodrama and a script for discovery, for which the Star Trek, there will be no recovery. As he nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as if someone gently rapping, rapping at his chamber door. In there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore, staring at the painful pages, the raven did quoth, nevermore. It raised its pointed beak and spoke once more, 
Look, mate, you wrote some half-decent Voyager episodes, but Discovery will be ghastly grim and craven. Best leave it be and burn the pages. Hannibal season four is your haven. And off the bird did fly and fly, for the world was saved from Burnham's cry. No rating on this one. But four little Amen. hearts on Patreon. He's coming He's coming to Crystal Lake, supposedly. <laughs> Brian Fuller's apparently working on a Friday the 13th TV series. So. Oh, that's good. Sure. Fuller, Fuller might... I didn't see Hannibal, though, so I can't really say anything. This is Tax Bear with Raven. Hannibal was one of those shows that I wanted to like, but the glut of serial killer stuff just Mm. turned me off. And Hannibal is like the most insane version of that I've ever seen. Um, Like (laughs) when I got to the episode where it was two serial killers having like a fist fight with each other. I said, all right, this might be too many serial killers. Um, That's what Dexter but was, like though, isn't it? Wasn't that the premise Yeah, of I, I didn't like Dexter. I, yeah. I watched like two episodes of that, and I couldn't do it. Um, but there was an episode of Hannibal. Like, it, it's just so insane and over the top, the stuff that this guy's investigating. Like, it's not just like Red Dragon where, oh, there's a family that's been killed right. and that matches another. This is Will Graham walking d- down to the beach and uh, f- seeing the murder scene, which is a totem pole made of torsos. Yeah, right, yeah. It's just insanity, <laughs> which, you know, maybe I should give it another look. That that's sounds pretty the, that's good what you're into. Like that, but, yeah. The Raven. Hey, Voyager actually asks a faction whether they can cross their space. Well done. That aside, I found Seven finding the wreckage of her parent's ship way too contrived. Maybe that should have been something that happened later. Nevertheless, having her integrate slowly and not over the course of one episode, I'm looking at the marquee. The mar- marquee is good. Um, no rating on this one either. No, people would just uh, give up on the rating. Yeah, it is. I think it is. It's way too convenient that they find this so so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be less convenient if they found it later? I actually think it's the same amount of bizarreness. Yeah, I guess you it. probably should. I think the weirdest thing about it is that this ship... So the 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 Bomar seem to be cautious but sort of indifferent to the Borg, the fact that yeah. there's a Borg on the ship, yeah. right? However, this Raven ship crashed on a Bomar planet. Yeah. And was assimilated by the Borg on a Bomar planet. <laughs> so what is the relationship here? Yeah. They care. Or they, now that's, they, it happened before they put their fence up, I think, is the, the lesson of this. What guess, does assimilate a ship like, mean? Does that mean I don't they know. take that's, the parts? I, was, I guess, yeah, that's, I, was kinda, I, I didn't totally know exactly what that meant. Okay. Either, but but like that's another door now you have to decide whether or not you want to go into. It's yeah. like, well, what is how, the Bomar doesn't say anything about Because clearly this is, I doubt this happened in a vacuum, right? Yes. A Federation starship crashing on this planet and then getting uh, assimilated by the Borg. That's a lot of pretty big deals to happen on, you know, the New Jersey of this group's <laughs> United States. <laughs> I, I don't know what season. Hold on. Let me see here. What season do they follow this up on? They follow this up in season five. So next season is when they follow up on this. Okay. Is that episode called Quoth the Raven? Because it's like calling back to this, like quoting this episode. It's, it's, it's the 
the uh, the cask of Amontillado or whatever that that one's called, which is the best one, the best Poe. Do you think in in England do they say inverted commas the Raven, nevermore? Do they say inverted? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I would hope so. Otherwise, it wouldn't. Uh... That's always I don't I would inverted commas. Where does that come from? It's it seemed it, it's. I don't know. It seems like a lot of work. Yeah. Because they know what a quote is, I would assume, right? Right. Inverted commas. My grandparents always Inverted say that. Inverted commas. Uh, Put a U in it, makes everything better. Have you ever seen that SNL sketch with the, the paint? <laughs> the woman buys the expensive paint to paint her apartment with? I don't think so. It's, it's pretty good. I'll try, to, I'll try to find the link to it, but it's very funny. Uh. Jonathan J.K. Morris says, The Raven, worst parents ever on principle for taking their daughter out into the field like that and broke canon in the process. It stretches the believability of common sense and further takes away from Q, from Q who, just like the Ent Borg episode does. See, I would disagree because they don't tell you anything in this. They haven't broken canon sure. from this. They just have They just have a lot of questions that is left. Right. And I, you know, I think that's fine. I don't think you have to answer all these questions, but uh, if you have so many questions that you leave the episode going, like, "Well, wait a minute," then you have a bit of an issue. Yes. But. Yeah. Changeling says, uh, "I'll send this one to you, actually." Changeling with thoughts on the Raven. <clears throat> Hallucinations attacking Neelix and bursting out of the cargo bay. That is so Raven. So Raven. That's so Raven. <laughs> Like the, sh- like the show. <laughs> Nothing special about this episode other than Seven's new outfit. Weird how the Maquis all got regular uniforms, but Seven gets a heels and a one-piece suit that shows off a perfect outline of her ass. Mm. Speaking of fetishes, anyone else find the teach find that the teaching Seven to eat scene <laughs> just a really just really weird and went on too long. One ball and two strikes from the umpire aliens out of five. <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, when some some dude is telling, telling a female actress to swallow, my mind just goes to really. <laughs> it just goes to yeah, Neil uncomfortable. Just, <laughs> Put it in your mouth. <laughs> Keep your mouth closed. <laughs> now swallow it. I know. These there's the. Believe it or not, people, there are certain things I think, and then I'm like, I can't talk about that on the podcast. So then it's just the only thing that you... Well, usually Kyle does it for us. Sure, yeah. Where were you, Kyle, on that one? Where were you on the the, uh, Seven Swallows and Doesn't Spit episode? The Raven. Next comment is Matthew Ross says, The Raven, a really good story in the backstory of of Seven and assimilating to Voyager from eating like a baby and then discovering her childhood on the wrecked ship with with possibly the worst parents in the universe. The idea that Voyager can't cut through Bomar space was interesting, but grabbing them by the ear handles might have settled that. The fact that Seven is still very dangerous and almost impervious to all of Federation tech is a nice, if not scary, touch. We didn't talk about that. Hold on, let me finish this comment. I really like the crash ship set, but always wondered why they just don't go out to the very front. Why they didn't just go out the very front to begin with. Four drones out of five. Uh, Seven has shields still. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> the uh, the um, the Borg tech growing back thing was, was strange. Was that 
caused by the signal she was receiving? No, it couldn't have been, right? That's sort of a weird red herring that turns out to not make any sense when it's over. Because if it was a Borg signal, it makes sense that she's being reactivated. Right. But it wasn't. So it was just simply the dormant stuff inside her coming online? I guess. Doesn't the doctor say something about that? He's like, he comes up with a cure. I don't know if he explains why it's happening or not. I can't remember. Uh, Jonathan J.K. Morris might have forgotten that he wrote the comments and he wrote another one. The The Raven says it's oh. dumb where the idea is a family is will. It's dumb where the idea is a family willingly. Fo- yeah, I think he's doing what I'm doing, which is confusing the Raven with the other episode. I see. So I'm going to I'm going to skip this comment. I also made the same mistake, Jonathan. <laughs> and I, I wanted to talk about all these things that you're talking about here. We'll have to wait another year and a half until we get to that episode. Jaron Hatch says the Raven. Who said that it's the uh, who said that it's only modern Star Trek that does banal mystery box plots in classic classic Voyager fashion? They come up with an interesting idea to explore in this case Seven's origin and then do absolutely nothing with it. To be fair, it's entertaining enough to keep me mildly distracted while working on other things, which is what Voyager really excels at. Three occasional glances at the TV out of five. I'm enjoying Jaron's take on Voyager. I, I think I align with him. Yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily call this a well. I don't know because I again, like I was saying, I don't. I don't think the answer matters yeah. here. I think it's the uh, the emotional impact on Seven, which is different than the way mystery box things usually work. Because ultimately, when they f- find the answer, it's kind of unsatisfying and doesn't really mean a lot. I I would whereas yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just say whereas here it's it's more it's more about seven uh her evolution and regaining stuff than it is about like just figuring out what this thing is. Like they could have got to this thing and it could have been nothing, you know? And it yeah. it would still have the same impact. I think it's I think an apt description of it is it's an antimatter mystery box. So it's like the opposite <laughs> of matter because what in a mystery box plot Everyone cares deeply about the mystery. And so everything right. is hinging on it. Voyager, yeah. my point about Voyager is that no one seems to give a shit about what this could mean for anybody. So it's sort of like the opposite. It's like it's this weird mystery, but the characters are totally uninterested in it, interestingly. And I don't know. And it's, yeah. And it's also, I mean, no, well, the, the difference is that everybody on the ship thinks it's one thing until Janeway realizes it's something else, which isn't what a uh, sure. really what a mystery box yeah. thing would be. Because like everybody thinks it's, oh, the Borg is activating her and she's going to meet up with the Borg. We need to stop her before she does that. Where until Janeway is like, oh shit, no, it's actually this signal from this ship. Um, <clears throat> So that, that yeah, that doesn't play. I, I know what he's saying, but I, I wouldn't say it's as... Uh, throw away it's not it's not quite mystery box plot is yeah Yeah. i would agree i i I think the the thread is correct but i think the uh the allegory needs a little bit of work or something this is bob j kester i'm gonna go with kester this time that's your reading the raven sorry seven proves she can be interesting with anyone by being interesting with neelix his strained attempt to answer creepiness with good humor is him at his modest best. And I always love Borg species designations. Makes perfect sense. Talaxians have such a lower number given they're a Delta Quad race that wanders around a lot. Three out of five. 
Yep. They uh, I do, I also like the the Borg. Uh, Wikipedia knowledge on people. Do they ever? Do you ever find out who species designation one is? It's a good question. It? I don't think so. I don't think there's so. not a comic book series out there somewhere. Or a there probably of there probably is that that species has to be the one that becomes a Borg at the first part, right? Like they're the ones that augment themselves or something like that, and they they become right. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking when we were talking about different ways to play the you know to things to do with the Borg. It would be great if there was a a a planet that was run by someone who was really excited to be assimilated. Mm-hmm. Like they heard it's like, oh, this is gonna be fantastic for us. Yeah. The gods. Uh, this planet sucks. <laughs> these these they're gonna come in here, they're gonna bring us into the collective. And then the Borg show up and they're just like, nah, you guys really couldn't add anything. And then they don't assimilate. Don't them. offer anything. <clears throat> that would be interesting. Good, good setup for a story. Yeah, Voyager hasn't done that, right? No, because they haven't dealt with the Borg long enough. It would be. There, there is there's a, a strand there. Point X to G says, The Raven with the final comment, it's good to get a seven, a solid seven episode in fairly early. This gives the character some needed development right off the bat. It's good to learn a bit about her assimilation, but a big part of this is her starting out, her stating out loud that she does not want to go back to the collective. It seems a little bit early to be doing that, but a very good episode nonetheless. No one's rating them anymore, interestingly. Only Bob. He gave it a three out of five. Thanks, everybody, for leaving your thoughts about this one, The Raven. We are done quoting it. Clan, our scale of one to five, what are you going to give The Raven? Hmm. I think I'm going to give this a low four. Sure. Yeah. I think I think this is one of the better ones. Okay. Um I mean, it's it's kind of tough because the the seven ones generally have been the better ones, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is kind of unfortunate because it's clear they're just you know interested in playing with the new toy. Um, but yeah, I would say this is this is worth watching definitely. I think I'll give it a three. It's a good three. It's a solid episode of the show. I think. Um, I find I just find Seven's backstory revealed to be annoying at this point. It's mm-hmm. just it's too much of this like leading people along and not giving them the information that I think that people are kind of interested in getting or should be interested in getting. Uh, but I thought that the character work is good. I think Jerry Ryan is very good in this. I like her and Tuvok talking to each other. I like her and Neelix talking to each other. So I enjoy all that stuff. Um, even the Bomar plot, like you're saying, I thought that that was fine for it's kind of repetitious. We've seen it before. But I was like, ah, this is fine. They're interesting enough. So I'm gonna this, the Bomar plot is what most of the plots would be if this was real life. It would be mostly, yeah, yeah. hey, do you guys mind if we cut through your backyard? It's gonna save us like five years. <laughs> and then being like, no, nope. This is the most. Uh, you would think that Voyager would be the show with the most diplomacy because they just have to. They yeah. have to talk to everybody to get through. Yeah, so I'll give it a three. Clay, give it a four, and that's it for the Raven. We're done. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Let me see if I can hold on a second here. You can go to Patreon. Is Nevermore is Nevermore the thing he says, or is it the name of the bird? The raven, the bird says it, right? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I heard someone make that argument once. Says no, it's not the the bird isn't saying Nevermore. <clears throat> Nevermore is the name of the bird. 
So it's like quoth the raven, <laughs> oh, quote, comma, so, never so, so, Right. There's no comma. So it's just quoth the raven. It's not quoth the raven, comma, nevermore or anything. It's just quoth the raven, yeah. nevermore. So I guess it depends on how you read it. Because like if, are there quotation, sorry, inverted commas around the word nevermore? There are. In the text? Yes. There are. Okay. Then it's not his name. Not his name. So that means whoever said that clearly had never actually read it. <laughs> I like Poe. He was always one of my favorite. I'm sure he's aged well. His, his, his spooky stories. I the thing with Poe that I find fascinating is, oh, the my introduction to a lot of his stuff is through like the adaptations that have been done of them, right? Yep. And some of them, when you go back and you read the story, you kind of go, "How the hell did they turn this into a movie?" Like, there's, I we had just watched Fall of the House of Usher, which is not based on. I mean, it is based on, but it has nothing to do really with the story. Yep. <clears throat> there are some milestones that they hit, but generally it's not the same. Um, and then we, I, we had watched the Vincent Price one, which has its own story. And then I went and I read the story. And the story is like a guy sitting at his friend's house while his friend is kind of dying, watching him play guitar, and then the house collapses. Yep. And like, there's no narrative. Yeah. There's no, like, plot. To, I shouldn't say there's no narrative. There's no, like, big plot or anything. Yep. So <clears throat> there's a lot of that stuff. Like uh, they made movies based on the Raven, yeah, which have nothing to do with the with the Raven, because it's not just a guy being scared by himself in his house at night for two hours. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, I find him. I find him to be an older writer who's still very readable for modern audiences. Yeah. He's he's yeah. interesting in that way. Just creepy. I ideas. love. I've I've always liked. Uh, Cask of Montiato. I yeah. think that's a great that's a great story. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you ever read uh Murders in the Rue Morgue or ever seen an an, uh, an adaptation of it or anything? No, no. That's one of the weirder ones because it's, you know, they they say, "Oh, Poe invented the modern detective story," yeah. right? And Murders in the Rue Morgue is about all these murders that are happening. And at the end it turns out there was a giant ape that escaped <laughs> killing people <laughs> you just you don't see that one coming but it's it's very uh, modern not the not the end that you expect <laughs> that's what inspired all the chimpanzee breaks out of a circus and rips your face off stories in the news these days. probably yeah actually we'll be back with scientific method is our next voyager episode so thanks everybody for listening patreon.com slash the penske file that's the place to go clay do you have anything you want to say otherwise we're done uh, check out Rotten Heart Picture Show this year on Patreon. We're doing the Halloween series. Uh, 12 of the 13 Halloweens, because we've already covered Halloween 2018, but we're doing all the rest. Uh, in chronological order, January, of course, is the original. February, Halloween 2. March, Halloween 3. And so on and so on. Um, <clears throat> and on the regular show, Amanda is going on vacation for a couple months, so... Uh, we're going to have a backlog of episodes, but I think we're going to have a couple guest hosts. I think Wes is going to join us for a couple. And uh, uh, my cousin Dan, who is who runs a site about film noir, is going to come on and do uh, Night of the Hunter with us. So that should be fun. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be good. Amanda going anywhere fun? Uh, they're going deep into South America. Oh. To search for the Lost, the Lost City, City of Z, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Don't, yeah, don't get bit by a bug. You might need to, to be looking for a permanent host replacement after this journey. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so, okay, so I, I felt really bad, right? Because I was talking to them the other day, and uh, 
and her husband goes, yeah, um, I found out the place we're going is like where they shot a bunch of the Miami Vice movie. Mm -hmm. And I just very stupidly said, I'm pretty sure that's like one of the most dangerous places on earth. And like I saw his face just go white. <laughs> and then, then she said something else to like kind of to, to soften it. But I doubled down and I said, no, I'm pretty sure I've heard all the stories of them shooting on on location were just harrowing. Miami Vice wasn't the only thing that got shot in that location. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah. I, I realized afterwards maybe that wasn't the best thing to say. But <laughs> Jesus Christ, not there. It was New Year's Eve. I had had a few beers, so <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure that whatever they shot there was just the really safe parts of the movie. I went to the place where every white face is an invitation to robbery, as the Clash would say. That's it. We're done. Thank you very much for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with Scientific Method. I think I just said that. Yes. Yep, Scientific Method. Otherwise, Patreon. See you guys.